Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, my name is Blake Robbins. I am the uh, director producer of The Scent of Rain and Lightning, and you are listening to Heartfire Film. <laughs> Today we're talking with award-winning writer, director, and actor Blake Robbins about his latest film, The Scent of Rain and Lightning. This is Mr. Robbins' second film, his first being the critically acclaimed The Sublime and Beautiful. Hello, Mr. Robbins. Richard. Thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. If you could just give me a synopsis of your film. Well, The Scent of Rain and Lightning was based, adapted from a New York Times bestselling novel uh, by Nancy Picard. It centers on the story of a young uh, Midwestern woman, uh, Jody Linder. She's now uh, in her early 20s, and 12 years prior, her parents were killed in a a double homicide. Uh, The movie starts with her family sharing with her that the, uh, uh, the, the man who went away for the murder of her parents is now being released from jail 12 years later. Uh, this sends her on a journey of discovery, of looking into the uh, the investigation, um, an unraveling of secrets, family secrets, um, as she works to piece together this uh, what ex- what exactly happened 12 years ago. I, I, and I think uh, the audiences will find the uh, the answer a little bit of a shocking reveal. What's refreshing with all these big blockbusters that you have now? It's refreshing mm-hmm. to see a character-driven and centered are, are the most important thing in the film. The, the, the background is great and where it's taking place is, is wonderful, but the, but the characters itself. And um, I, I want, later on I'll tell you a, a quick little Dunder Mifflin story, but let's just get into the, <laughs> to the film itself. Uh, well, I'll just tell it now. I, was, uh, I just grabbed yeah, a sweatshirt please. the other day um, going out to the store, and I hadn't realized it had – it was an old sweatshirt and had Dunder Mifflin on the front of it. And every time I wear it, something comes up to me. I, no matter where I am, it could be a man or a woman. They always say, I'd yeah. love that. And then I'm forgetting I'm wearing it. I'm going, you love it? Okay, thank you. I hate and I appreciate it. Oh, then I look down and it's Dunder Mifflin. And so I was talking to this guy uh, just the other day. And I, I said, you know, I'm going to speak with uh, John uh, Halpin's uh, brother tomorrow. And uh, right. John Halpin's brother. I said, yeah, this is uh, Blake uh, Robbins. He's got his new film out, uh, The Scent of Rain and Lightning. And you should, yeah. you know, so watch out for it. It's, it's a really good film. So that's my little Dunder Mifflin story. Yeah, yeah, I understand. It's got a huge fan base, that show. Absolutely. You are, you are loved by many, sir, I tell you. So. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll believe you. Well, I mean, you've got, you've got a piece of Joss Whedon history for being in Firefly as well. Uh, Ah, uh, so, correct, you know. correct. Yeah. Uh, I've been so, very, very fortunate. Yeah, I've been very fortunate to be a part of some uh, television uh, television history. Yeah, absolutely. 
You know, I was listening to, I, I listen and, and watch a lot of Film Courage. I think that's a really good um, series that's on uh, YouTube. And I was mm-hmm. listening, I was trying to think of the actor's name. But he was talking about how you can lose, how sometimes the power of an actor can overcome the character. And I see in your direction mm-hmm. that you, I don't see that happening. I see that the, the, the especially with all the people that you have, the great actors you have in this film. Yeah. I mean, you, you've got uh, Justin Chatwin, Micah Monroe, yeah. and then Maggie Micah Grace. Monroe, yeah. Micah yeah. Monroe, uh, Mark Weber, Logan Miller, Bonnie Bedelia, Will Patton. Yep. I mean, my God, Will Patton, yep. such a powerful actor. <laughs> Aaron Poole, Brad Carter. I mean, it just, go, it just keeps going on. Uh, yeah, I was blessed. Can you tell me a little bit about the process? Because in making a film, it, it is like a machine, and sometimes... We get caught up in that machine making films, and uh, all the other little things can overpower us sometimes. But you seem to really focus so much on the characters here. Could you tell me a little bit about your process there? Yeah. Um, as you were speaking earlier about the, the movies that you respond to, which are um, so centered on great characters and great performances, mm-hmm. uh, I, too, I you know, my favorite films are from the the 70s, 80s, and and they were mostly character dramas, uh, stories that uh, you can't put down after you've seen them, and and you know just unraveling that human psyche, that human behavior, the uh, the humanness of us all, is what's so interesting to me, you know, in my storytelling. Uh, entertainment's fantastic, but. Entertainment at the sacrifice of of quality characters uh, being phenomenally well portrayed um, just isn't that interesting to me. So, um, you know, and I'm not working with studio budgets yet, or, or you know, and, or studio marketing departments to sell my movies. So, uh, I also want to make movies that differentiate themselves from from other you know movies um so yeah absolutely uh if you can start with fantastic actors you've got a you've got a head start you know a lot of what you want to do is just um do everything you can with your cast and crew to sort of um make the environment as as um as freeing as possible for them to do their thing and uh, you know i i being an actor myself for the last 20 years i've picked up um a lot of things from other directors. Um, you know, when I see things on set, uh, well, you know, I'm observing how other directors work. I go, wow, that's that really helps set the pace. That really helps set the um, environment. Um, so I make sure that I surround the cast with a crew that um, is, is uh, you know, I want to phrase this correctly because because everyone tries to do it. No one's trying to trip up their performances. But the mechanism of movie making can get in the way. Um, the light, the um, the uh, the getting actors to hit marks, the all all these little things. Um, I, I guess I lean my style of filmmaking more towards I'd rather not make an actor too overly concerned with hitting a mark and, and focus on their performance. So I, I try to make it seem like it's not a movie. As silly as that is, as much as possible, as often as possible, I try to strip away the process. So uh, as many times during the day, during the shooting day, as we can start to believe that this isn't necessarily a movie and that this was never written down and that this experience is happening right here, right now, um, 
for better or worse, I try my best to create that environment, and I, and I surround the, the, the team with uh, like-minded people. You know, we want to see it happen right here, right now, what's going on with these people. Well, it comes across on the screen. It really does. Um, I appreciate it. Because it's – and well, you're talking about a, this not being a big-budget production – it, I've got to tell yeah. you, it looks like a big budget production. It comes across that way. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you know, that. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, I'm very lucky with the people that want to work with me, at least so far in my in my career. Um, I, I've surrounded myself. Here, here's here's a big part of it too. Um, there are a lot of people, uh, both in front of the camera and behind the camera, that want to do something different. And what you can't offer them in money, you can offer them in creativity. And maybe, uh, you know, you 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 pitch them a new or slightly different way of working. And really talented people get really jazzed about that. You know, just bringing as much of their ability and creativity to something. I, uh, I, I, you know, it's not like. Uh, it's not like it's extraordinarily different and we all don't uh, sort of know the fundamentals of, you know, making a movie and the day-to-day -day operation of that. But, but what if we really never do something only for the reason that it's always been done that way? What if we always challenge that mindset? Um, things being done the way they've always been done is the worst reason to do anything. And it doesn't allow for any innovation or any, you know, any new thought, any new creativity. So, uh, so we challenge that, and we challenge that in production and pre-production and in post-production. Let's not do this this way just because it's always been done that way. Let's let's try something else. And, and when you do that, um, even if you don't have, say, resources to pay those people that are, that are going rates, um, a lot of people rally around the idea of, of doing something like that creatively. You engage them, and, and you tend to get the best out of people. I've, I've, uh, I've been fortunate to surround myself with phenomenal crew members. They, they elevate the value of the movie. <laughs> they make it look like it was made for a lot more than it was. Lynn Moncrief was the yeah. cinematographer, yeah. and you worked with Lynn on The Splime and Beautiful as well, right? I did. Lynn and I have a history now you, of uh, a couple of films. Lynn and I worked on both films with the same production sound team, Heidi and Troy, um, Heidi and Troy did production sound for us, and and that's a critical one because when you're working that that department, um, there's there's a real technical reality of getting quality sound for your movie. But at the same time, if you're not hitting marks, and they don't always, sometimes they have to um, sort of anticipate what the frame is of the mm -hmm. shot. So you have to be in constant communication. But if we shoot the movie with the frame always moving, um, they're sort of magicians, the fact that they don't end up in more shots. In fact, they hardly ever end up in the frame. They hardly ever spoil a shot. They get great sound. And sometimes it's at the expense of it's n almost never a perfect working situation. Uh, an example would be I like my actors to feel free to live in the world as if they would without being precious to the sound. So, uh, for instance, Will Patton is fixing the car in the one scene. Uh, probably other than one take, I'm never going to stop him from the reality of trying to fix that car. 
you know, so we come up with what he knows. We get him a little expert advice. We, you know, there is uh, the movie making magic of it, but he wants to really be doing something and that feels more right to him. So in doing something, he's banging around, he's grabbing tools, he's, he's cranking screws and, and he's, you know, created a reality for him. Uh, a lot of times when you're making a movie, the sound department would go crazy over that. But I've worked with a sound team that loves that reality for that actor and will prioritize that as much as the pristine dialogue that maybe another sound team would get. So that's, you know, just one example how I will, I will seek out crew members who love filmmaking and are willing to take on the challenges of making a movie this way where, you know, example, we shot a lot of scenes in the bar and I shot a lot of takes where I had all of those extras actually talking, actually laughing, actually being in a bar <laughs> so that uh, in a lot of movies, and I've been on the set before, uh, those extras almost never say anything. It's all pretend silence. Well, when I look on the screen, I don't believe it. It's something draws my attention almost invariably to a big bar crowded scene where I look around and I don't believe the reality. I believe people are pantomiming and, and pretending to have a good time and pretending to talk. So um, I'll start and I, I call these takes gray primer takes where you're putting the primer on the, you know, on the thing you want to paint um, in those takes, I want everyone to pretend, you know, to let go of the pretense that we're making a movie and just be in a bar having a good time. So if I'll play music for them and they can listen to that, and if I, you know, I'm not really allowed to serve alcohol, but I can put something in their bottles. And if you start drinking water out of a beer bottle in 10 minutes, you psych, psycho, you know, psychologically, you start to feel a little bit better and, and you just don't feel stepped on creatively. You don't feel too precious and you start to forget that you're making a movie and, and sometimes when I get that whole thing going, I'll start the action. I'll start the characters who have some lines and some dialogue and just get them because it's different for them to perform as if they're in a real bar instead of everyone being quiet and all you can hear is their lines. So then I'll, I'll get those actors doing the dialogue. And yeah, that's maybe not some of the dialogue we can ultimately use in the movie, but it makes them settle in. It makes it feel ultra real for them. And then maybe when everyone's feeling comfortable, I'll bring the the background noise down a lot, maybe do a silent take with them and have the actors. But it just helps massage that. It helps us pull through the the, the artificial, the artifice of making the movie a lot. And those are some examples. <laughs> Something can take me out of, you know, the, the reality yeah. that we're watching. And if, it could be a little or it can be a big thing, but nothing took me out of the film. Uh, you, were, wow, you were engrossed in the film. So, and the characters. You've just paid me the highest compliment because that is exactly what I'm working toward. I mean, that's, you know, some people can respond to the story, the characters, the this, the that. Uh, you know, some are going to respond, some are going to prefer other stories or other things. But what you just described, that's something I do have control over, which is. At every moment, are you believing what's happening, and does it feel authentic to you? And and that I feel is my almost singular job as the first audience for the film is to make sure I always believe it, and if I don't, it doesn't end up on screen. Let's talk about your casting a little bit. Now, this book it took place in Kansas, but you shot it in yep. Oklahoma. Did you now the the people that you cast? Did you cast uh, with Deborah Maxwell Dion? In yep. Oklahoma, other than, I mean, the supporting actors and such, or how did that go? 
Yeah, um, we did do a lot of local casting, you know. Our, our character played Red, our character played the bartender, Bailey. Um, they were all local. Uh, they were from, you know, I'm going to assume the Oklahoma City area, but we worked with the local casting director there, Deb and I. Um, so the the reason that the, you know, the the reality of shooting in Oklahoma came down to simple finances, tax rebates. Oklahoma is a phenomenal tax rebate for films and is very uh, welcoming to a film our size. And Kansas still has some work to do. Uh, I made a movie in Kansas. I love Kansas, but, you know, they don't really incentivize, uh, you know, a three, two, three million dollar film to come there and shoot. And in Oklahoma did. So that became our reality. And, and once we did that, we cast the, um, the world. You know, a lot of people think when they think cast, they think strictly of the actors um, and, and the people that are appear on screen. The first thing you cast is the location. And we found Guthrie, um, several films that shot there. We loved Guthrie. We loved the ranch that we found. Um, the gentleman there had sort of, um, he did something that we couldn't have, that was sort of a godsend. He has this huge herd of longhorns that are basically hand-trained. I don't know that you could find it anywhere else, but we got incredibly lucky with a great casting uh, locations person. She brought me around to a bunch of ranches that looked right, and and we cast that world, uh, you know, because when you're making a Midwestern American gothic noir type film, it has to have a certain personality, and, and we had to create this universe for these these actors to inhabit where you believe the uh, the wealth of this character, the size of his, you know, his business, the size of who who he is and what he means to the community. And then you have to cast, you know, the where you're going to have it rain and the and, you know, that bar. Tom Mix was the bartender at that bar. That that bar is a legend. There's like 12 bullet holes in the ceiling uh, and it was empty when we found <laughs> it because they were about to renovate it. And I said, this is absolutely Bell's Saloon. And then I worked with a great production designer who outfitted, you know, because it was stripped. She she dressed that bar. We brought everything in. But you can't bring in the, the windows and that, that great oak, you know, huge bar and and all of that. That was all there. But, 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 but you know, she informed the rest of the world, filled it in, because it was kind of an open space waiting for renovation. And, and so you do that. And then uh, – and then part of the process of working in Oklahoma is you want to hire as many local actors as you can. Uh, you're incentivized to, to do so. And I love it. I love it because what we've been talking about, which is the authenticity of the place. And one of the things, just to give another example, usually when you go make a movie locally, you get all the most beautiful people locally, right? You just get, you get all the, the people that want to be movie stars and haven't moved to New York or LA just yet. And because the Linder family was such a centerpiece of this and they were kind of the, you know, they have the most wealth. They, you know, you could believe that these two brothers were on the uh, state championship football team, you know, four years ago. Um, and that, you know, they're definitely the most attractive people in town and they're sort of royalty in this community. I didn't want to surround them with a bunch of other people that were just really pretty. <laughs> So I, I, I stressed to my local casting team, I said, give me, give me the reality of this, this community, the most interesting. Day. And she and I spent 
literally, I think, a 24-hour session where we saw, I'm going to guess, 500 people. And they came in in groups of five or seven at a time, and I just talked to them and met with them, and we pulled out. And I asked her to find people that didn't have headshots and resumes, people that would just be interested, you know, in the reality of doing this film. And and it was it was a life-altering day of meeting people and getting a piece of their story and really finding out how incredible human beings are and just each one of them, what they've been through. And it's one of the reasons it went on and on and on because I just didn't want to cut anybody off and was so grateful that they would come and share their stories. Well, it just made for a remarkable tapestry of interesting people that find their way onto the screen. Um, so when I look at the, say, the courtyard, courtroom scene and when I look at the, you know, the jury and, the, and then the people that I put into the bar, that's all the personality of that community. And, uh, you know... I guess I love and adore them. I didn't want anyone else handpicking them, so I worked with the person I worked directly with uh, that local casting, and we, you know, again, it adds to does it pull me in or does it push me out of the story? Mr. Robbins, <laughs> a little bit over time here. That's uh, yeah, I, think I that's know. I always stuff. do that. Uh, no, no problem. You know, I appreciate you sticking with me. Um, just let's go on. Let's talk about the Atlanta Film Festival for a couple, for about a minute or so. Then go to your, yeah. where you want to point people on social media, and then if you could just yeah. before you leave, if you could just do a tag at, for the beginning of the show, just your your name, title, and your film, and you're watching Heartfire film before you leave. I'd appreciate it if you don't mind. Uh, so yeah, let's talk. you might have to remind me, but yeah. Okay. Atlanta uh, film let's Festival. talk about the Atlanta Film Festival. Now, is this your first time at the Atlanta Film Festival? It is not my first time. This will actually be my third time. Uh, I went as an actor, um, actor producer for the Battle of Bunker Hill uh, some years ago, had a great experience there. And then uh, I was fortunate enough to screen The Sublime and Beautiful, my first film there in 2014. So this will be my third time with them. And uh, I love them. One of the things I love about Atlanta is they seem to be dialed into their – you know, their audience and really be adventurous about the type of movies that they want to share with their audience. They're re- really looking for things that are unique and, and the, you know, in the industry. And I love the films they screen and I've, I'm grateful that they, they've responded to the movies that I make. Yeah. It's, they're very, very centered on making the director feel at home. Uh, Chris Escobar yep. and, and everybody there just are, work really hard. All the volunteers Let's let's tell people where where they can see your your premiere of your film. It's on Saturday, excuse me. It's on Saturday, uh, March 25th, and uh, it's at 7 p.m. 7 p.m. at the Plaza Theater, the downstairs. Um, I guess there's an upstairs and a downstairs. I haven't been in this venue yet, but I'm excited. I've heard great things about it, and it's going to be shown in its best light. A uh, wonderful venue, from what I what I've been told. It's yeah, it, it's it's beautiful. You're in the main auditorium there, big screen. Yeah, uh, it, it's a perfect place to to screen your film. Now, how can people follow along and uh, um, to keep track of this film on social media? Yeah, and we yeah, I appreciate that, and and I hope they will because uh, you know with little films like this, you need your fan base to be as passionate about the movie as they can. Uh, so we've got all the social media links. We've got the Facebook page, which is the scent of rain and lightning. Uh, if you'll, uh, spell that all out as one word, the scent of rain and lightning. Although sometimes people don't realize that lightning is actually spelled L I G H T N I N G. 
Um, that's the Facebook page. That's also the website, www.thescentofrainandlightning, all one word, lowercase.com. We've got uh, both Twitter and Instagram, and those are very similar as well. At Twitter, we're at Scent Rain Light. Uh, Scent Rain Light. And Instagram is Scent Rain Light as well. Oh, and, uh, and before we wrap this up, I just wanted to say Michelle, Michelle DeLong from uh, Oklahoma City area. She was our local casting person. Uh, she and her team did an amazing job. Um, they got us um, actual EMS personnel that you see in the film, the, the policemen, um, firemen who were all so fantastic to work with. Uh, she and her team did a great job of putting them in the film, as as well as all the wonderful faces you see in scenes like the courtroom or in the bar scenes. So uh, didn't want to forget mentioning Michelle by name. Thank you, Mr. Robbins, for, for coming and speaking today. I've really enjoyed our, our, uh, our talk here. I hope you did as well in my little Dunder Mifflin story. So uh, <laughs> I wish you really well with this film, and I believe that you are a director to be reckoned with and uh, hope wow. to see many, many more films. Thank you so much, Richard, and uh, thanks for having me on. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.